Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? thank you so much for another beautiful day that we're able to wake up and come here to this church and worship you together Lord we pray today that you would open our hearts and open our minds as we listen to the message so that we can focus on your word in Jesus name Amen please turn and greet one another Joe Kate, I'm the pastor here at Memorial. We're so grateful that you joined us today. Uh, we like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. Open your brand new bulletin format out uh, wide open and you'll see all five practices laid out in front of you. We're hoping that this bulletin suits. It's got um, uh, less words. It's got more pictures. It's got what we think is a greater hope that um, you can follow along and participate and see the highlights. And if you flap the uh, pull the flap over you see the two things that um, you might be uh, we might be 
asking of you to sign in. Nope. Here. You see these lilies and also the sacrament of baptism. We're going to tell you a little bit about that. If there are baskets, I'm sorry, there are baskets on the table at the back door on the left side and the back door on the right side that look like this. If we ever have something that we're collecting in your bulletin, you can write it in your bulletin and place it in the basket and we'll collect it after that. If you go to the 11 o'clock, many of you go back and forth, we're going to leave them in the pew and we'll come and collect it after that. Um, so let's start with radical hospitality. Um, we hope that you uh, notice all the seating that we have. You're um, welcome to sit in the bleachers. You're welcome to sit at these tables throughout the entire service. You're welcome to sit here. And if you have um, children that are unsettled, you're welcome to sit in the rocking chair um, and rock them to sleep. We have visitor cards and prayer cards on the back table. If you have uh, anything that you would like to share with us, um, you certainly can, and we'll contact you in the way that you um, tell us. We also have a pastoral care line. You can call that number 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Just leave a clear message and we will get an immediate notice. Um, Supper at 6 is coming up um, with an Easter egg hunt and um, hopefully we'll have an extra sunny hour with daylight savings. You see the menu there and you can, as the attendance uh, roster goes by, you can sign up by clicking the number, writing the number of adults or children that are participating. Um, passionate worship is um, something that we take very seriously whether we're in this style or we, we are in the um, style in the sanctuary. I'll tell you that the sanctuary continues to move forward. Um, the next elevations are there. The new elevations that go back to front um, are in the sanctuary. You can see that um, today if you walk over there. Um, a second part of passionate worship is a picture. This is Brinley Elizabeth Calcutt. She's being baptized in the 11 a.m. service. And you can write a note to her in your bulletin. You see that part there. Um, just a simple little note, and we'll collect them in the baskets, and it will go to that family um, uh, in a couple of weeks. We believe in intentional faith development. We have um, all of our um, age level programming tonight, children, youth, and adults. We invite you to come. It builds on itself a little bit, but each night also stands on its own if tonight is your first night to come. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. You see the opportunity that we're um, encouraging to participate in in your bulletin. We believe in extravagant generosity. You're going to see a new way that we deliver how our church is doing financially. It's not going to be in the bulletin anymore to save space to be on one simple page. But the newsletter is going to have a far more detailed um, section. There's a new newsletter out today. And it came out just this week, so this newsletter is not going to have that new financial section. April will. Um, but you'll also see a link in our email to get, see our entire budget. You'll see paper versions on all of our bulletin boards. We want to make sure that you understand what we're doing and how we're doing uh, with our finances. The new newsletter is on the back table. A digital version is in your email. Um, the state of the church went well, I thought, last week. We didn't have very many questions. Uh, we had a couple after. We have a video of that if you want to see it. If you missed it last week, we're um, happy to show it to you. The link is in the email as well. Um, so I believe that's all of our announcements. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this space. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the opportunity to pray together. We thank you today, Lord, 
for your two special sacraments in our faith, baptism and Holy Communion. Bless our gathering around the table in this service and in our 11 o'clock service, Lord, that we may share this table with others as we leave this place. Bless the family and church family that surround the infant that we baptized this morning, Lord, that she may one day know your grace by the love that we show her every time she comes on campus. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today we're reading Mark chapter 14. That's part of an ongoing series throughout the season of Lent, um, all the way up to Holy Week, where we examine the last 24 hours of Jesus' life here on earth in Jerusalem. And the, that day was full of so many events, and it goes so quickly during Holy Week. And if you miss Monday, Thursday, in which we talk about many of these events, then you see Palm Sunday where we're waving, and Easter Sunday where we're celebrating. So we thought, as we look in the season of Lent, let's pull apart that day for an entire season so that we understand the conviction that Jesus had in that moment. So we start with um, chapter 14, verse 55. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus in order to put Him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many brought false testimony against Him. But they contradicted each other. Some stood to offer false witness against him, saying, We heard him saying, I'll destroy this temple constructed by humans, and within three days I'll build another, one not made by humans. But their testimonies didn't even agree on this point. Let me point something significant out. Jesus did say that. But he wasn't talking about the physical temple, which is what everyone wants to see. You know, the immense beauty. If you go and you Google um, Second Temple, and you see that amazing structure, and the disciples are walking past it, and they say, man, doesn't that capture who God is and what God is? And he says, uh, I mean, it's nice. But my body is the temple. I'm the embodiment of what God wants to be, and I will be destroyed and I will be raised. Well, he's working on a, another level. He's working on a metaphor. And even the disciples struggle with metaphors. Walking with him all the time. He really did say this. But as it gets further and further out, and it gets to the Sanhedrin, which is this um, uh, uh, council of elders, they say, he's going to do what? Imagine if something that we revered was threatened to be destroyed by an individual who wanted to be our leader. We would have a serious problem with that. And this is our opening image, the courtroom. Now, I tried to be representative uh, across our entire church family and figured you would recognize at least one law show here. Um, I grew up uh, with my dad. who was a real estate agent coming home for lunch 
and watching Perry Mason and falling asleep in about the 31st minute and waking up right when it ended. Uh, as soon as I, I feel like as soon as I got married or just before I got married, um, Katie was watching Ally McBeal. Uh, I've watched Law and Order, and of course there's like 50 different versions of that now. And I'm pretty sure the original is still going. And then I haven't watched the Law shows in forever, so I'm trying to get the newbies, the young people. That is Criminal Minds, okay? Across every decade of television, across multiple genres, whether it be a drama, a comedy, a dramedy, even there was a musical one time. It wasn't long lasting, but there was a musical courtroom police show. Big cities, small towns, prosecutors, defense attorneys, judges. There's every single angle on television of the courtroom experience of which lawyers in the room would tell us it's a little magnified, it's a little exaggerated. But why do we want, why is there such an appetite for that across so many genres? Um, I, I would guess at least three reasons. Because of the mystery, we're trying to, what, who was that? And what did, did they say? What they said, was it right? Are there any clues that I can notice before the um, thing comes at the end? The drama of, uh, you know, like um, uh, Tom Cruise to uh, the guy, you, did you order the Code Red? Jack Nicholson, did you order the Code Red screaming back and forth at each other? Because of the stakes of what's going to happen if you're innocent, what's going to happen if you're guilty. This is the feel of the text today and it's pretty unique for Jesus' experience. He's, this is one of the few times that he's in this environment with this many people surrounding him all completely against him. He's accustomed to people pressing in on him and wanting to be close to him but not people like this. So this is your first um, fill in the blank, his um, testimony. The interesting thing about testimony is if you use it in a church sense and if you use it in a courtroom sense. If you are testifying in a courtroom, what are you, what are you testifying? What are you saying? The thing that I saw. The thing that I witnessed. If you're testifying in the church, what are you testifying? Same thing. Thing that I saw, thing that I witnessed, but generally one is quite negative and one is quite positive. Well, if you ask the people in that room and the witnesses that they were bringing in to sway the entire court the direction it was going, they say, this man is not respectful. This man is not humble. This man is a complete threat to us. And doesn't that work when we feel like something is a threat? The leaders in the holy city are saying he's not humble, he's not respectful, and he's a threat to us all. However, if you ask the people throughout his ministry, people in towns that were on the outskirts, and people who were on the outskirts of those towns on the outskirts, and people who were on the outside of the social community, and they were on the outside of the people on the outside of the social community, I say, this man helped me when I could not see. This man helped me when I could not walk. This man helped me when I was not going to live another day. He healed me. So 
So if you ask experts in this courtroom, he hasn't done it the right way. He hasn't said the right thing. He in no way, shape, or form can be the embodiment of what God wants. Experts in the law. Experts in theology. Say he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's a threat. People who don't know anything about the law. People who don't know anything about theology. Say, he cares about me. He helped me see. He helped me walk. He helped me live. Verse 60. Then the high priest stood up in the middle of the gathering and examined Jesus. Aren't you going to respond to the testimony these people have brought against you? But Jesus was silent and didn't answer. Again, the high priest asked, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the human one sitting on the right side of the Almighty God and coming on the heavenly clouds. That's your next phrase, I am. That's a big deal. Any prosecutor would hope that the person on the stand would say, yes, I did it. And he either pressured him enough or Jesus felt like it was a time, whatever reason, Jesus said, yes, I am what I said. Yes, I am what you say. Yes, I am the Son of God and I'll be there very shortly. And that's a code phrase. When Moses was up on the mountain in the very early part of the Old Testament and he's getting all this stuff from God that he's going to take down to the people and he says, um, right, so if they should ask who is it that's telling me this stuff? Who's the authority? Because I'm just up here on a mountain by myself. I don't know how y'all would feel if I went up to Paris Mountain and stayed up there about two weeks. And then I came down and I said, here's all the things we're going to do. How would y'all feel about that? I don't know, you're a genius. You're so faithful. You're so helpful. So honest, right? That's the stuff you'd say, right? Or he goes, this guy crazy. He wants us to do what? <laughs> when Moses says, who should I say told me this stuff? God said, tell him I am who I am. I am. You don't even say my name. That's how holy I am. That's how big I am. I'm so much bigger than you can fathom. Tell them I am who I am. So when he says that, guess who gets it? If these guys didn't just uh, get on that council because of their family name or um, because someone pulled them in, then they know the law. They know the scripture. And when they hear him say I am, they go, hold up. Did he just say that? I am. We say God, the word God, in very common ways, both holy and unholy, on a routine basis. They did not. They used the word Yahweh, which referenced that I am. Jesus uses this phrase on purpose to let them know exactly who he is. Which then leads to verse 63. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we need any more witnesses? You've heard his insult against God. What do you think? They all condemned him. 
He deserves to die. Stood up and tore his clothes to make a serious point to 71 plus people that this guy just said, I am. And because he did that, they make a declaration of what he deserves. And here's our um, quote of the day from Adam Hamilton. We've used his book, 24 Hours That Changed the World. We're all born afraid. Part of that is a mechanism God has given us to protect ourselves. We call it the self-preservation instinct. That mechanism can be helpful in dangerous situations. There are times when we have to fight, to work, to exert energy in order to save ourselves. And there are also times when we need to run from a situation. Unfortunately, our self-preservation instinct is coupled with our sin instinct. There's something in all of us that is broken. We have a propensity to do the wrong thing, to twist what was meant to be good, to misuse and distort it. You think our leaders know that? Yeah. You think they use it against us? Mm -hmm. You think unhealthy relationships, that person knows that about you? Mm -hmm. Do they use it against you? Oh, yes. And in this situation, the fear instinct that those men had that something might destabilize. You talk about being high priest, how many things you're holding in tension between your connection to the Roman government that could squash you anytime they want, your connection to these 71 elders, most of which probably want to take the spot from you, your connection to the people that you are supposed to serve, Oh yeah, and fourth, your connection to God, which you're supposed to serve ultimately. All that stuff he's got. Yeah, tension. And here comes Jesus going. Waving all around it. Can't have it. And his fear instinct is connected to his sin instinct. And they talk about what he deserves. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, we do that. We do that on very small scales. We do that on medium-sized scales. We do that on very large scales. So here's your final thought. What He deserves. What does Jesus deserve from us? A man who came in the most powerful form of God in the most weak form of an infant. A man who walked the earth and healed people who didn't know who He was, didn't profess who He was, and sometimes forgot who He was after they were healed. A man who knew what would happen to Him in Jerusalem, yet knew that He had to go there in order to declare the message to the people that needed to hear it. A man that knew that when He declared it, He would go before these 71, and what they would do when He went there. What does He deserve from us? Adoration. Faith, belief, response, patience. We could all work on one thing. We could all ask that question, what does Jesus deserve from me today? We're going to come to the table. You're going to share in this meal together. 
you're going to go out these doors and it will no longer be a controlled environment in which we try to have everything exactly right so that you can pay attention. What does he deserve in your actions as you leave this place? That's our question. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us in our modern affirmation of faith. This is something we believe in in this service. We, help, we think it helps us um, identify who we are and what we are to do. You're welcome to join us and you're welcome to simply listen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ. Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. Let me tell you what I like about us not knowing what the next phrase is, like we do with the other affirmation of faith. We've got to think about it. We've got to pay attention. We've got to read it um, so that we um, ultimately can live it. We, um, uh, on Communion Sundays, we participate in a liturgy that precedes our offering. And we talk about our individual struggles, our collective struggles, and then we talk about forgiveness with one another. If you'll join me in that liturgy and read uh, when it's bold. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart, we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now why have we failed? Why have we struggled? Why have we forgotten? Well, sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're busy. Sometimes we're scared. That's what we're addressing today, that fear. That fear that we're going to try to limit its control over us. And when we acknowledge that we've sinned, when we've been broken, when we've come up short, we fear that we're going to do it again. Let me tell you one of the major elements of dropping all that is forgiveness. Listen to me now and repeat it. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Corporate confession, corporate forgiveness. Individual confession, individual forgiveness that we can go forth from this place, that we can gather at this table and not live in fear. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by. You can give with, um, electronically with instructions in the bulletin, 
And if you're a visitor guest today, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can. Um, but you can also rely upon the generosity of our people.
Jesus used very common elements for a very uncommon purpose. Elements that we use every single day. A table, a bread, and a cup that we use every day to remind us of the faithfulness and love that we have for one another. The love that our God has for us. The sacrifice that Jesus made. He took bread. He broke it. He gave it to His disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner, He took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He gave it to His disciples and He said, Take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to call those forward who are helping me serve. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to take Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We serve by intention, which means one of our servers will give you a piece of bread. And the other server is holding a cup. You dip the, cup in, dip the bread into the cup and then eat it. We have um, gluten-free elements should you need it. Um, just walk past the person serving bread and get the gluten-free elements. You know I always have the bleacher people come first. Love the bleacher people. Um, giving us more seats over here. So bleacher folks and table folks, if y'all will come down the middle. Um, and you don't have to come forward, but you're welcome to come forward.
Let me say one more thing about prayer before we pray together after the table. There's an element that used to be in our um, bulletins as of last week with the prayer concerns. And you might look today and you might say, hmm, you know, I kind of count on that. Um, we've had some questions in, in my time here about the privacy of folks, their desire for prayer, but also concern of it being in the bulletin. So we are going to have a prayer list. We're going to find a way for you to sign up for an email for it. We're going to find a way for you to sign up for a phone call for it. A tree that y'all call one another. And the source is going to come from the prayer group and from me and um, from Leanna. Um, but we're no longer going to place it there. But any one of you that wants to know it are welcome to have it. And um, we'll tell you exactly how that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your table, for your invitation, for your love for us. We pray for those who can't join us today for any number of reasons, and we ask that your presence may be known to them. Help us, Lord, to share this table wherever we may go this week when we share a table with others. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. If you all please stand for our last song.
Oh 